This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Welcome back, Star Wars fans, to another episode of Coruscant Radio Underground. I'm Andrew. I'm here today with David. Hey, what's up? And uh, very happy to have Ro from the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast with us tonight. What's up, Scuttlebutties? And uh, we're just going to dive right into Chapter 13, The Jedi. Uh, Just first impressions. What did y'all think about this episode just overall? David, you can go first. (laughs) I mean, it was a good episode. Um... You know, just me coming in, I kind of come in blind because, I mean, I haven't seen the animated series and I know there's a lot I could pick up if I had. You know, the previous two, I could get a lot from video games and from the other movies, but it was a good episode. I liked it because they mixed up the Western and you kind of had the samurai vibe going. You know, I liked it, but I mean, like I say, as far as the lore, a lot of it, I'm just picking up from you guys. Right. That's actually one of the things that I, it's great about having you here, though, is is somebody that's not like, because a lot of people are just, they've watched the movies and now they're watching The Mandalorian and they haven't taken in all the extra material. And uh, you 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 have a, you are able to see things a little differently than I do. Because like I said last week, I can just sit and geek out in this show over all the old things from all the different material that they're dragging in. And so sometimes even episodes that aren't, the best episode, I still spend a bunch of time just geeking out over the things that they put in it. I do think I, I, what you mentioned about the kind of the East versus West doing the, the Western and the kind of the samurai mashup, you know, some, some of the old spaghetti Westerns did that, but I mean that I love that fight at the end where you kind of had, I mean, it was, it was full on a samurai duel in a court in the courtyard with the flowers and the water and, and then outside the gate, you had an out, you know, just the old school Western standoff. And, uh, I loved that. Totally. I wanted to see the, uh, the fish in the koi pond. Uh, yeah. It was so, so reminiscent of, of kind of a samurai thing. It's interesting too, to have somebody who is not as uh deep dive as, as I guess you and I are Andrew, um, obviously knowing the significance of having this character kind of cross over from, uh, the animated series to live action, it, uh, it just blew my mind a while ago. I had a prediction that we're not going to see Ahsoka until the very last shot of the very last episode of this season. Right. And, uh, boy, was I wrong. And uh, my partner in crime over at the scare of scuttlebutt podcast is, uh, very happy that I was wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, I was on board with you. I was pretty sure that. Maybe it wasn't going to be the very last episode, but I thought that we were going to see a hollow transmission or I really wasn't even convinced we were going to see her in the flesh. And, and then we opened up with this big fight, you know, in this, this ruined forest. And I was blown away. I never expected to get that much Ahsoka in this episode. Right off the bat, yeah, that uh, that little uh, skirmish uh, with those uh, those guys in the forest was pretty well done. It was amazing. Um, I I too I, I I didn't think that we would get so much Ahsoka in the first you know five minutes even, um, let alone really really good Ahsoka. I, I think right. uh, I think they nailed the fighting style. You know, if, if we're gonna talk about how that jump was made from animation to live action. It really was, and you see it later on when when she's jumping around in the courtyard. Right. It really was pulled from from an animated show. Absolutely. Um, so, David, I mean, I know you, I, I know you kind of probably had some idea from the rumors that Ahsoka was going to show up. I know you're not that familiar with the character, but I mean, is that a? Are you surprised how much Ahsoka we saw? I mean, she's a, a major player in in the episode. I don't know if I'm really was surprised because, like I said, I didn't have the anticipation that other people did. Right. Um, I mean, we heard casting rumors and things like that, you know, leading up to this. So I kind of figured you'd see her at some point. But I do like the way that she showed up. That was an awesome sequence. 
Uh, and it really kind of set up for me, like I said, because I've never seen her before, but I thought it did a good job of telling who she was, what she was about. And I loved her giving the orders to the magistrate when the magistrate, you know, she's got the city in captive, but still Ahsoka's the one giving the orders. And I thought that was pretty badass. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, Marisha, is your mic? Aha, uh-huh, and now I am here. Okay, uh, so right now we're kind of talking about how much Ahsoka we saw in the episode. Were you surprised how much yes. we saw Ahsoka? I mean, I'm pretty sure I was like, to, we're going to see her for two minutes, but uh, I was wrong. Yeah. Mark it on the calendar, y'all. So do y'all think, kind of in addition to that, I mean, we did see a lot of her, but Previously, we weren't real sure like what they were going to do with Ahsoka. Was Ahsoka going to show up and have an effect on the whole season? Or how was that going to play? Do you think we ever see Ahsoka again in this show? I think we might. I think, you know, with all the casting rumors that we got, you know, uh, a few months before and, and everything that was going on, obviously we knew that, uh, you know, uh, that Boba Fett was going to come into play. Uh, you know, being able to see her, being able to see Boba Fett. But when she, um, you know, when she was fighting with the magistrate and uh, she name dropped that other character, I don't think anybody had in mind uh, that that was going to happen. I think that really surprised us. And I'm really glad because, you know, with social media, you get all these rumors and, and, and leaked images and things like that. It kind of ruins the surprise when you're actually watching uh, a movie or, or a TV show. Because you know you have that, you have that information in your brain. But when when she uttered that name, I can't tell you, my jaw dropped. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I never. I, I mean, nobody expected that. I mean, everybody's expecting that she's gonna say, "Where's your, you know, where's your boss, you know, your master? Where's Moff Gideon?" And yeah. <clears throat> that was uh that was a big shock and that was that was absolutely awesome and I've I've got some other thoughts on that that we're going to cover a little bit later but now that Marisha's here I kind of want to ask what did y'all think about the look of the character the look the voice all these things that were going to be hard to pull off well, you know Ahsoka's voice is very recognizable I mean it's so at the core of both animated series you know hearing her and knowing that voice and then the look um, how did y'all think she did as far as pulling that off, Marisha? Um, I thought that the voice was good. It was, I mean, obviously it's a different actress. She's not going to sound exactly the same, but she definitely, I felt like she definitely had done her homework as far as kind of, there were definitely things she said in the same way that whenever Han walks into the the cantina and you hear that first line out of Donald Glover's mouth, that was his impression moment. And then, you know, from there he kind of made his own. I felt like it was kind of similar. Like at the beginning it was like, wow, this really sounds like the character from the, the TV shows from the animated shows. And as it went, it, it kind of became less, uh, less like the animated character and more her own, I think, but it worked. It wasn't jarring. Yeah. I was afraid, you know, right off the bat, I was afraid that uh, her look would be a little bit too cosplayish. You know, we've seen obviously, you know, some really good cosplayers uh, out in the convention ring, but uh, that you know, obviously, they still kind of look like cosplayers. But um, you know, looking at her, I think the way we saw her battle in that first scene, I think, kind of helped um, pad uh, our expectations. I mean. We, we know that she fights. She was a Jedi. She was a master, you know, lightsaber, uh, you know, dueler. And we definitely saw that. So I think, you know, as far as the fans go, I think her audition kind of, uh, you know, it passed with flying colors. Um, you know, obviously there was a little bit of uh, rambunctious talk uh, on the Internet regarding the length of her uh, head horns or Liku or whatever the hell you want to call them. Um, but. I, I, I didn't find it distracting. I think she, uh, Marisha, you, you had it right. She did her homework. It looks like she kind of studied. Uh, her and Dave Filoni kind of went back to uh, the animated uh, series to kind of watch maybe some key moments because, again, her smirks, her mannerisms, her fighting style, the way she held those lightsabers, I mean, that, that was Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
Uh, did you? Did any of y'all have a chance to read the interview that Dave Filoni did about the episode? Yes. Um, Marisha, the one in you, uh, Variety Magazine? I believe so. Is that yeah. the one that... Because in that one, he talks about... Because it doesn't sound like Ahsoka was necessarily... It doesn't mean she won't become this, but it sounds like she wasn't necessarily brought in to be a big player in this show, but that he decided early on when he knew that he was going to get to do this episode that and that they needed to do the reveal of the child's name mm-hmm. that Ahsoka was the perfer- was the in the perfect position to be able to come in and fill that role of filling the audience in on mm-hmm. who this child is and uh, I thought that was really interesting that because you know Filoni's not going to pass an opportunity right to bring in this character if he can he's never been able to help himself on that right um but I thought that was very interesting. So what did y'all think about her interactions with the child and revealing who the child is? And I, I've seen some rumors uh, out there now because we got this information this that he was smuggled out of the temple. Mm-hmm. And now I saw uh, Rebel Force Radio had dropped some some interesting theories that he may be a major, that the child may have a major part in the Bad Batch. Uh, that he might be, that they might have been the bad batch that got him out of mm. the ah, temple. Interesting. Yeah, I have not heard that one before. Well, somebody did, and probably not a Jedi. I think this is an, an interesting kind of uh, introduction to, you know, this. I think at this point the story can go two ways. You know, you, you obviously have the the direction from Ahsoka to bring the child or, or Grogu as he is now known to the that Jedi Temple. Um, obviously, the story can go that way, but uh, I won't be surprised, uh, you know, if next year they announce that Ahsoka is getting her own show, and we kind of branch off into what we, you know, a, a lot of I guess a lot of fans really wanted to see what was going on with her and Sabine. Uh, trying to uh, go out there and look for um, look for Thrawn and and look for Ezra, so I can kind of see it going that way. And I I think now that you know that uh, Disney Plus is is in action and and it's kind of a, a proven testing ground. There are no limits to the storytelling uh, of Star Wars nowadays, and I'm I'm excited. Well, um, another is speaking of doing an Ahsoka show, and, and you know that's been rumored that this would serve as a launching point for her. Based on Dave Filoni's interview, the other, the big interview with Variety that he did, he did mention that this episode, he said it may or may not have occurred before right. the end of Rebels. Right. So that's still up in the air it's as far as where we see her at this time. Right. Because so. my concern leading up to this was, how are they going to deal with Ahsoka being back? Right. But it sounds like it's possible that she hasn't left yet. This mm-hmm. is this is kind of the intermediary. intermediary. Right. Because they never established a timeline of when that very last scene of Rebels happens. Right. We just and, know and some time has passed. Yeah, and leave it to Dave Filoni to kind of leave it a, a big question mark uh, for all the fans to kind of try and figure out. Right. So have fun for the next two or three or five years or however long it takes him to get around to it, speculating. Yep. So what would you think about that being the Ahsoka series if that's happening? It's actually Ahsoka and Sabine off looking for Ezra. Live action? Yep. Hey, whatever gets uh, whatever sells Disney Plus, um, you know, I I think people want it to have a kind of a sequel series to Rebels and have that storyline uh, continue to play out. But I think it would be amazing to have a live action uh, sequel to Rebels and have that story played out. I think, uh, like I said, it's it's been a proving a proven testing ground for this uh, this way to tell a Star Wars story. Um, I, it can go either way. Again, you know, we're having fun kind of speculating on, on everything that's, that's about to happen. I just don't think, I think this is kind of the tip of the iceberg, you know, especially because we know that Filoni and Favreau are, are involved. I think, uh, we just have no clue what, uh, what they have in store. Right. 
Yeah, I'm expecting big things, but uh, kind of getting into this next little part I wanted to talk about, uh, kind of the, the big thing that's going on throughout this entire episode is we really, and we've been doing little bits of this all season, but really dug deep on this relationship between the Mandalorian and the child, which has, you know, previously he was just protecting the child, but it really seems to have become more of a father-son type relationship. Um, what have y'all? What have y'all been? What have your thoughts been on that relationship and how that's shaping up and how that may affect things down the road? Because there was this clear thing going on where the Mandalorian really didn't want to let the child go, and the child didn't necessarily really want to go. Um. So, David, what did you what have you thought about that? How that relationship is shaping up? I mean, it, it's a long time coming. I mean, I feel like since the beginning, you know, it's like whenever he picked up the child for the first time, I don't think he wanted to be attached to the child, but you know, you know, it happens. And so, yeah, I definitely think that's going to come into play. And you know, like Ahsoka said, she didn't want to train the baby, you know, because of uh, his attachment. So, I guess we're going to see how that affects things too. Yeah. And speaking of that quote, I mean, Ahsoka declined to train the child um, because of the attachment and the rule of, of that for the Jedi. I think, you know, we're, I, I think we're going to get, um, I don't know, uh, this is kind of a, a clue as to what they're trying to do, especially with that relationship. I think, I, I don't know, I, I'm going to venture to say that uh, that relationship might end in in a in in a tragic way that's going to break all of us um but who knows um you know I, I posted a while ago you know the the joke about why uh why can't jedi send emails it's because uh, attachments are forbidden but you you really get a glimpse as to ahsoka especially ahsoka's understanding of of those implications i mean she mentioned you know, a great Jedi who who had an attachment and how that didn't turn out well. So, you know, we're I think we're on the cusp of something, uh, especially with the new Jedi and how they are going to be portrayed going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I find uh, I found all of that very interesting, especially with Ahsoka is still kind of really hung up on what went wrong with Anakin and maybe afraid to take and train someone new. And for the child you're seeing these because it was it was very interesting we've in su in several different stories um we have dealt with jedi who cut themselves off from the force mm -hmm. um you know we obviously did it with luke but we've done it with other characters where there's been this for whatever reason there's their connection to the force has been severed i mean going all the way back to revan where his now, other Jedi did that, where they severed his connection with the Force in Knights of the Old Republic. But it's something we've dealt with, but it sounds a little bit like that's actually what's going on with the child. Is, you know, that it, she, she talks about these memories of the, you know, all the things going on, you know, the Jedi Temple being trained by different masters. And then when all the Jedi are killed, his memory goes dark. Like that tragedy severed his right. tie to the force. Almost like it was kind of an instinctive, right? You know, kind of response, a self-preservation kind of response. Right, and that's what we've seen a lot of characters. Cal Kestis has done. You know, it's like mm -hmm. you just can't use it, right? Um, because you'll be found out. Right, exactly. You know, although I think that, you know, Ahsoka talking about Anakin, like yes, ultimately his attachment to Padme is what kind of was the catalyst right for his his ultimate fall but that the, the the attachment to his mother i think is probably more what she's referring to because that was the that was the beginning of anakin's real issues being a jedi was the fact that he could never let go right of that initial first attachment then he had this kind of his attachment to ahsoka was not that everybody was all telling like you got to let her go you know you can't have this much attachment um and so i think she's looking at this child and she's seeing 
the potential for that same pattern that the child has this attachment to the to the Mandalorian and just you know it's so easy whenever you've been personally burned to look at other people and see oh I see your whole life playing out you know it's going to be just as terrible as that that other life that I saw destroy itself um and so I think she's dealing with a lot of fear and I think we may if we get an Ahsoka show I expect to kind of see her grow a little bit kind of in that really dogmatic approach to attachments and to kind of the way that the Jedi have always viewed things. And it's interesting because I, 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 and I'm sure they did it off camera, but do we have an instance where Anakin actually talked to Ahsoka about the loss of his mother? I can't really remember that. Um, I know that, you know, as, as a, as a fan, you know, that that's part of his issue. Um, and especially with, uh, with Padme, but I don't remember if there's any instance where he actually talks about the loss of his mother to Ahsoka. I think somebody kind of fills her in. It, like, cause when he goes back to Tatooine, he's got a real problem going back to Tatooine. He doesn't like the huts, all this. And so I think Obi-Wan maybe kind of gives, gives her a little bit of backstory of what's going on with Anakin. Yeah, and like I said, I, I you know, I'm, I'm sure it happens like off camera. You know, they have this relationship and they start to fill in, um, you know, information. But that's interesting. Uh, yeah. Kind of in, in continuing the this part of the conversation, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit and I'll come back to some of the other stuff. But uh, what, you know, Ahsoka does for whatever reason, whether it be out of her own fear or, or whatever it is, refuses to train the child whether it's because of Grogu's fear or her fear or a combination of the two, um, whatever it is, she sends him. It's, it's again, it's like me and David have talked a lot about it. It's, it's a video game and she mm. gives him the next part of his quest. And so now he's off to, uh, Tython to the Jedi temple. Um, where we're going to go find this seeing stone. What do y'all really expect the seeing stone to be? I mean, you know, is it a kyber related to the kyber crystals, a big kyber crystal, or just something new altogether? Um, I think it's just something new altogether. I think uh, maybe a, a version of the seeing stone was, um, you know, in the Last Jedi, uh, where Luke was doing his meditation inside that cave, uh, where the symbol of the first Jedi was located. Possibly something like that. I don't think it's a kyber crystal. I just think it's kind of like a spiritual place that the Jedi, you know, revered and just, you know, made uh, some place where uh, the force is focused. Right. Um, I, I don't think it's a, a kyber crystal. Okay. Yeah, that's, I, I like that a lot better. than I mean, I just don't know what it's going to be. I mean, it, there's a lot of different forms it could take, but I, I really like the idea and they've never gotten real into it. But this idea that there are places of focus and power. Like on Lethal, right? That that temple on Lethal, they kind of have similar kind of interactions with other Jedi and, you know, when they right. go there. Well, and, and Dagobah and all these other places we've gone, uh, the temple on where, um, oh gosh, what is the name of the planet where Luke was? Uh, the, the Octo. Octo. Uh, you know, these places that are, are powerful. I mean, because we got into, you know, seeing Yoda call down lightning and destroy the tree, and we had never seen a Force ghost interact with the physical world. And I always liked the idea that it was because the Force was so focused in that place mm -hmm. that he was able to do that. So I expect something a lot like that, but I fully expect, mostly for the sake of the story, that the child is going to decide to stay with the Mandalorian. But with the possibility, I mean, we've been teased with this possibility of another Jedi possibly showing up at the temple. I mean, who who would y'all think would show up or like to see show up? Oh, man. I said it uh, on this week's drop of the Scarif podcast. I really would love to see... Luke Skywalker answer the call and somehow be involved. And I know that is a lofty goal and, and, and a big dream, but they owe us, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But who knows? You know, obviously, uh, people are talking about uh, what's his name, the guy from the game, Cal Kestis. Cal Kestis. And, uh, you know, but who knows? Uh, I don't want it to be a, a brand new Jedi that we've never heard of because. I think that'll water down, I guess, the plot of the story. I think in order for us to kind of really dig deep, it's got to be somebody that we've heard of. Right. David, do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know. I think everybody's kind of in that boat where you know they want to see Luke Skywalker and the green lightsaber, and they want to see him throw down. Yeah. What a, I mean, there's I'm seeing rumors about Mace Windu. Uh, possibly still, because there's been all these theories for a long time that he's still out there. Marcia, do you have any thoughts? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with Roe. I think they owe us a little bit on <laughs> the Luke Skywalker front. Yeah. So here's the caveat I'm going to give this, is that if it's a living Jedi, I really want it to be Luke Skywalker. But I'm not seeing a lot of people considering the fact that pretty much every time we've ever gone to a Jedi temple, excluding Octo, but in animation, anything Filoni's been involved with, basically every time we've gone to a Jedi temple, Yoda has showed up. That's true. So do you uh, do you think that Yoda might actually... Um, I, maybe Yoda will answer the call, but... Uh, hmm. I'm just... World, world one, between worlds situation? Possibly, hmm. but I'm, I'm still thinking more just a, a visage of, you know, his force ghost of Yoda showing sure. up. Um, and I, I'm not sure that you couldn't also at this point do the same thing and have Obi-Wan show up. We are getting well, ready what about for Anakin Skywalker, but we are getting ready for an Obi-Wan series. series. Mm -hmm. They've done, I mean, they're getting ready to shoot and they've done all the costume tests and everything else. There is absolutely no reason that either Obi-Wan or Yoda couldn't appear in this. You know, I had a thought uh, while I was listening to Brad uh, spill out his uh, his theory about this. You know, they, uh, like you said, they're starting to shoot Obi-Wan. And I had a thought of starting out that series with a flashback of uh, something that happened in the prequel trilogy, perhaps during the, uh, the, the raid on the uh, Jedi Temple when the younglings were being killed, maybe uh, Obi-Wan and somebody else um, took uh, Grogu and, and hit him away. Um, and then that's how the Obi-Wan series starts, and it kind of overlaps with what is happening here. Um, another Jedi that we love to mention is Qui-Gon Jinn. Yep. Uh, perhaps maybe his uh, spirit or somehow he comes back. Uh, I know he came back for uh, Clone Wars uh, when he was, uh, and I think Ahsoka was involved in that episode too. So there's all this other stuff that that I love just going back to just to kind of see where Dave Filoni's mind is as far as maybe getting clues. So mm -hmm. it's all very fascinating. Yeah, I'm, I think that Dave Filoni needs to be at least brought in as an, an advisor on, I mean, I don't know that there's anything that Lucasfilm does as far as TV or movies that he doesn't at least need to be in the room on. Um, because Abolish he just the story, has, story group. Hire Dave Filoni. <laughs> he, he just has a better grasp on it than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And not just the, it, the nuts and bolts, but the spirit of the thing. Right. You know, yeah, yeah. because really, I would argue that that is what has been, you know, as far as a, appearance wise, the the sequel trilogies, the the sequel trilogy rather has physically it it looks like Star Wars, but it's missing something of the heart and spirit of Star Wars, in, in at least in places. I, I think that in places they get it right, but then they kind of like. They're just kind of meandering on and off the path. And in an attempt to sort of modernize Star Wars, I guess. But it's... Um, Filoni really understands the spirit of what George Lucas's Star Wars is. Mm -hmm. and Yeah, I feel, that, I feel that the sequel trilogy, like you said, it's missing that thread, that connective tissue. And I think that connective tissue is Force lore. And... Yeah. For whatever for whatever reason, I think Disney changed a lot of what 
almost like fans were expecting, uh, if especially if you're introducing, you know, Palpatine back into the mix and how he survived and and what kind of, you know, powers he has and what he relied on to uh, for those powers. I think uh, I don't know why they did that. I don't know. You know, it seems like they almost just worked independently and said, you know, let's make some something up and then see if it sticks. And unfortunately, you know, for a lot of people, it didn't. Um, but it's, you're right. It, it's missing that. And I think, like I said, I think the force lore and some of the, uh, you know, some of the items that we know about the force is, is really what's, what's missing. Hey everyone, this is Todd Hoffman from WSTR Galactic Public Access. I can't believe I'm saying this, but we are celebrating our 200th episode, and it's coming up very soon, and we need your help. So how can you do that? Simple. Just send us your transmission over at mailbox at wstrmedia.com, or you can leave us a voicemail, 630 five five seven nine seven eight seven that's six three zero five five seven nine seven eight seven uh yeah we started this podcast way back in december of 2016 right around when rogue one was releasing and now we are getting up to that 200th episode and we can't be more excited to do this and we want to just celebrate it with our podcast family our star wars family uh, we can't be more happier to be part of the Red 5 Network, and we would love to have all your voicemails, all your emails. And the other way you could do it is just tweet us, whatever, at WSTR Media. We'll take them all, um, and we just want to celebrate with the family as we have uh, a big, you know, 200 celebration. And we can't be more excited than in Star Wars and everything that's going on. Uh, we are looking to do 200 more, so um, we just need your help as we near this 200th episode. Again, just email us at mailbox at wsdrmedia.com or voicemail 630-557-9787. Appreciate all you guys. Thank you so much. Uh, thank, you, thank you for all the support on the socials. We, we couldn't do it without you. Um, and we love you guys. And may the force be with you always. So, I mean, that, that kind of runs the, the story for what's going on with the child and the Mandalorian. And um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of thinking, I mean, obviously he's going to go find this seeing stone. Do you think that they'll head right there next episode? Or you think, I'm kind of tending towards that being the end of the season. I mean, I honestly didn't expect them to find Ahsoka till the end of the season. Like, I expected the whole season to drag on, like, one roadblock after another. Well, let me ask you all this. Uh, David, I'll start with you on this. Is before we kind of leave this part of, the, of what we're talking about, with bringing in characters like Boba Fett and bringing in characters like Ahsoka, all with potentially their own series upcoming, if that's what we're doing, what do you see as the dangers of bringing in characters, the Mandalorian becoming just this central thing that its only purpose becomes just to spin off new shows? It's a revolving door of characters. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of do get the impression a lot of times if you see somebody, you're going to see them once, you don't see them again. That's why it was cool to actually get, you know, a few episodes back. We got to see some characters from last season. Right. But, uh, yeah, we talked about this before as far as the show being a vehicle, you know, to introduce characters. But, I mean, right now, I just want to know what Moff Gideon's up to. So I want to get back to that. Yeah. And with, are we doing, Ro, is it an eight-episode season again? 
I think so. Yeah, we are. What is this episode five? This was five. Yeah. So yeah, um, I really expect now, and the reason I don't think we're going straight on to Typhon is that I think that we're fixing to kind of begin our final arc of the season, where we've we're going to dig back into the central part of the Mandalorian story, which is going to bring Gideon back into the picture. Um, because I still think that, and I think even more after an episode a couple of weeks ago where we brought in some other Mandos, I really still think that the overarching theme, or the overarching story, the big story happening in the background is a return of Mandalore to some sort of prominence in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I And I think that's one of the things, I mean... Really, when you look at how the original trilogy was told, you're telling this story that's right here in front of you, but it's set against this big backdrop of this thing that has just ripped a galaxy apart. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the things that I I really like the most is that that's the way George Lucas told Star Wars is you've got a story that's small and in front of you and you can easily grasp the whole entirety of that story, but it's still set against this big backdrop and that's, that's one of the reasons you can come in and you can just tell countless stories in the sandbox is because it's set against that big backdrop that there's so many stories to tell. And I, and I love that that's kind of what they're doing here. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't want, I don't think they've crossed that line by bringing in the characters they've done, but it, it definitely could become dangerous just bringing in these characters for one appearance just so you can show them off to before you go give them their own show. Yeah, we talked about that on Scarif. We said uh, that we feared that if they brought Boba Fett in, it's going to turn into a Boba Fett show. If they brought Ahsoka in, it's going to turn into an Ahsoka show. I, I do feel that The Mandalorian has been used, especially in Season 2, to just to kind of you know, taxi this kid around and right. introduce us to... you know bigger and better characters um, uh, for for whatever reason. And I think, uh, I lost my train of thought, but I, I think I, I it's, you know, it, it's still the Mandalorian show and I still want and am interested in seeing, you know, that character kind of, you know, uh, develop and see what happens. But to be honest with you, now I'm more interested in what's going on with Ahsoka and Thrawn and 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 all that stuff. So, you know, the Mandalorian is like over here in my brain, and everything else is like in the forefront. So, I, I get what you're saying, and I, I think you know what I was afraid of is, uh, is starting to happen a little bit. Yeah, well that that's one of the main reasons I really think that now we probably I think we've been introduced to all of the the big names that we're going to drop this season. I don't know. I mean, there were rumors about Sabine, but those were all revolving around an actress we've already seen. Right. Right. And I, I think those may have been unfounded. I do think that it makes sense. If the big backdrop story is the restoring of Mandalore, then it makes sense for her to show up at some point. I think, point. yeah, eventually. Um, but I think you could just as easily have her brother or any other of that clan show up, and it, it's just as big of a deal. It but, still works, yeah. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't uh, introduce uh, the brother in um, the episode The Siege. I mean, they we had a male um, Mandalorian. It, it could have been him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been a great place to have put him in there. Sure, yeah. Do we know his name? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, someone, someone posted uh, something about it. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember I'm, it off the top of my head, but we did get a name for the character. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to drop another nugget uh, and make an adjustment to my theory. Uh, as uh, originally I said that Ahsoka would be the last uh, image you see. In this season, what if, uh, you know, Mandalorian gets to uh, the seeing stone, puts uh, the child on it. You did a little force magic and um, there's a rumbling. And right before the episode ends, uh, everybody turns around and there's a uh, very familiar X-Wing that lands and somebody in black, uh, a black Jedi outfit gets out. Cut to credits. Yeah. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? Oh, that'd be amazing. Right. I'd love that. I'd be done with that. 
And imagine, you know, all the podcasts just kind of flipping out over <laughs> in between seasons, just contemplating, like, did we just see what we saw? That that uh, that would be really great for us as content creators. I, but that's one of the things that I was hoping for Ahsoka to be the last shot. And then having enough material and speculation for content creators like us to kind of speculate in between seasons. But I know Dave Filoni has something bigger up his sleeve, and I just can't wait for that. Well, I mean, he did end that first season with a dark saber, you know. So I think that he will probably continue that trend of bum bum bum. All right, see you exactly. next year. Oh yeah, I mean, we're we're definitely going to leave off on some big note, and I would just assume that be Luke Skywalker. That'd be amazing. How about you, David? What's your vote for a uh, grand oh, that and glorious? Would be awesome. But I have a second question. Okay, just because I have a, a name in mind, but if we are going to see Luke. Who's going to play Luke? Uh. And I just posted a poll, and it's really close, like 50-50. I asked people uh, if we do see Luke, would they want to see a de-aged Mark Hamill? Um, because obviously the technology exists. They've been doing it with uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe for a while now. Or would they want to see Sebastian Stan? And uh, it's neck and neck. I, for one, would love to see... Uh, de-aged Mark Hamill although you know either one is fine as long as I see the character of Luke but for me it's a de-aged uh, technology uh, Mark Hamill would be amazing yeah that would be great and I guess for me that would be a are they considering at some point doing a show with a younger Luke Skywalker because if they were going to do that then I think that they might as well go ahead and bite the bullet and cast somebody like Sebastian Stan. But if it's going to be, if, if at this point in time, the idea is that it's just going to be this one-off thing, then yeah, DH Mark Hamill. Yeah. I think that's the way to go. I don't think they're going to do a whole thing with Lou Skywalker. Um, it's just too, too volatile a situation. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although, honestly, yes, it is a potentially volatile situation. However, it might go a, a little ways towards um, buying back some goodwill from, from some really offended fanboys. Would you call me? <laughs> <laughs> um, but kind of wrapping that up, and you know, that as far as the, the child in this episode, and what I love about this episode is that and I had been complaining about this, was that the child was just kind of there. Like, we were advancing the Mandalorian's story, but the child was just kind of in the background. Kind like of a we MacGuffin. Kind of, yeah. And, and this episode filled us in on so much of his story and gives him an arc going forward, which is great because it had been very stagnant. And that was one of the things that Filoni talked about was using this chance to to give that character an arc of his own. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where they go with all of these characters. But uh, before we finish up, I did want to talk a little bit about some of these other things. Like, David, you talked about previous episodes where you've had Knights of the Old Republic tie-ins and things like that and, uh, you know, other other things with, like, the, the Dark Troopers and, and all that. And... The droids, the uh, the magistrate's personal droids, they were not. They went down easy. They went down too easy, I thought. But they're they're newer HK droids, so maybe they're not as good. But yeah, I did they like were what, that. 87s? They were HK eighty sevens. Yeah, yeah. Our, our old droid from Kotor was an HK forty seven. Forty seven. Yeah. Uh, so I did like that they at least kind of brought that into Star Wars, into canon, that the HK droids are a thing. But yeah, I would have liked to have seen, you could have just had him fighting the HK droids. You didn't have to actually have uh, all of the other soldiers. It could have just been yeah. that, and that would have been cool. But uh, what did y'all think about our other two, our antagonists in this? With uh, We'll start with... Uh, the kind of the gunslinger, the uh, uh, Michael Ben's character. Uh, what did y'all think about that character? 
I thought it was cool. I, I sometimes I wish they would stop bringing these really great actors to uh, appear in one episode and then die and kill them, right? Yeah, but I think his character was great. I think uh, you know he he played a henchman uh, really well. Uh, it didn't seem like he really had any you know true loyalties to the magistrate. Uh, almost kind of like a gun for hire, uh, right. ex military or whatever. Yeah, well, I'm know, pretty sure the man, the Mandalorian, actually calls him a hired gun, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so. I mean, what else, David? Did you what did you think about that character? Oh yeah, I thought he did a great job. Uh, I don't understand what he thought he was going to do there at the end. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? It's like you're going to really go for the gun, and then um, the magistrate, if I remember correctly, like, wasn't uh, she Bruce Lee's goddaughter? That is Bruce Lee's goddaughter. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well. Wow. Um, and that was the other one I, I wanted to talk about because I I saw some people complaining about her kind of holding her own there with with Ahsoka for a little bit, but I mean you're talking about one of the greatest female martial arts stunt people of all time. She's done some pretty good roles her own self, and nowadays she trains actors for martial arts films. And you're not bringing her in to like, have someone kill her off easy. You're not yeah. bringing her in like you did Jet Li and Mulan, so you could be like, where was the fight? <laughs> right. I came here to see good fighting. Yeah. Um, so violent. You're so violent, Marissa. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought that that was my favorite as far as kind of the, the new characters, other than obviously bringing Ahsoka in. But but new characters, I really liked the, the Magistrate. Now, of course, another great, Another good actor they brought in and killed off immediately. <laughs> yeah. But they did bring her in and gave her a pretty massive backstory mm-hmm. as far as the role that she played in the building of the Empire. She's one of these people that's been out there working for these ad- these grand admirals stripping these planets of their resources. And getting back to that, well, first, uh, I don't think we ever saw Ahsoka kill her, and that was kind of like the, the rumblings on, on Twitter. Um, so she might come up, uh, she might pop up again. And as far as those droids and uh, their affiliation, you, we did see a uh, latent image on the side of their heads, the symbol, uh, the insignia of the Seventh Fleet, right. um, which... Uh, you know, we all know what the Seventh Fleet represents to uh, to someone like Thrawn. So that that's pretty cool. So I, I do expect her to come back in some form or fashion, maybe in the the Ahsoka spinoff. Who knows? Right. So at this point in time, because part of what we've done here is we've got a few more Imperials still kind of floating around the galaxy than we would have assumed when the sequel trilogy started. Um, you know, the Battle of Jakku was kind of the end of the Empire proper. That's already happened. Is Are Moff Gideon and Grand Admiral Thrawn competitors at this point? I think they are. I think we've seen that the galaxy is in such disarray that we've got, you know, warlords and, and uh, you know, crime syndicates that are still in power and are, would like to maintain that power or maybe gain more power through, you know, their aggressions. I think, again, I, I, I think all these people are vying for control. There's no, there's not one like major, you know, imperial or one major uh, force that um, that is controlling everything. I, I think it's a free for all, and I think that would kind of go along with the whole Western feel. You know, it's it's a wild, it's the wild, wild west, west, excuse me. And that's that's what the galaxy is like at this point. And uh, it's it's really cool to see the disorganization of of uh, of the galaxy in in this program, for me, anyways. Right. Mm. And Thrawn, like, can you just imagine the superiority complex he has going on right now? Because like this squabbling and all of this disarray. You know, he's just better than all that. The problem is, as far as Thrawn goes, we're still not, even if this was set before Ahsoka and Sabine leave to look for Ezra, Thrawn is is missing. Right. 
So that's kind of the thing that kind of con, you know, kind of muddies the waters on when exactly this episode happens. Has Thrawn, is Thrawn still missing or is he back? Yep. Yeah. That's the question. Well, and I think that's what she's looking for. I think she's looking for the answer. Like, has he been pulling strings from wherever the heck he purgled off to <laughs> at the end of Rebels? You know, or is he back and, and she doesn't know it? And so if he's back, then where is Ezra? All of the, you know, lots of questions. Many questions. I'm sure we'll get answers, answers eventually. All right. So kind of as we wrap up here, I mean, this this is an episode that I think we could... Oh, before we leave, I got to ask, what do y'all think about the, the, the big question here? What did you think about the name? There's worse Star Wars names out there, like Therm, Therm Sister Sister Punch. Punch. Sister, So I'm, I guess I'm okay with Grogu. I, David. Well, I was gonna say we talked about this the other night, and I agree with what you said that any name they gave you would be jarring because we called him the Child for so long. Yeah. And uh, I think Grogu, well, I guess it'll grow on us. But uh, like I said, I'm having a hard time not saying Goku at the moment just because of Dragon Ball. <laughs> Right. Marisha, I see you over there sneering. You, you just don't like it. I just like... <laughs> I don't like it that much. Right. We could name him Bobby or something like Bobby. that. I mean, like... Something, like, cute. Grogu, it's like... I don't know. It sounds like, like a rock or something. It's like, this is my pet rock. His name's Grogu. You know, something that cute needs a better name. Cuter name. You know... More compelling guys, in some way. Did you guys see that meme where the Mandalorian asks uh, the child, what is your name? And the child says, Grogu. And then Mandalorian says, Grogu who? And then <laughs> the child says, Grogu Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why not? <laughs> so, so David, you're going to name him Bobby so they can be uh, yeah, Hank. You can name him Bobby. So they can be Wait. Hank Hill and, and Bobby Hill. Yeah, I'd be like, dang it, Bobby. <laughs> Play and it's soccer. funny, speaking of names, uh, you know, they gave uh, Diana Lee and Asanto uh, the most normal Star Wars name I think I, I remember, Morgan. Morgan Mor Elsbeth. Yeah. It's a very British name, if I yeah. ever did hear one. <laughs> Although true. Elsbeth Morgan would be more, like, yeah. expected, but still. Yeah, it's, a, it's really it's, posh. That's a pretty, pretty normal name. For, uh, for Star Wars. Kind of like, well, I mean, yeah. And it's like, it, every once in a while, Star Wars is like Ezra Bridger. It's like, that's, sure. I mean, that's a pretty so, normal kind of name. So, David, you know that Dave Filoni that directed the, and wrote this episode, you know, that he got his, that when he got hired by Lucasfilm, he was animating King of the Hill. Oh, was he really? That yeah. would be perfect. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's that's what he was doing. But King according... of the Hill and Last Airbender, because right. that seems like but a I, match made in heaven. That's right quite there. the resume, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> but according to Filoni, this is a name that that John Favreau had come up with very early on in huh. the in the process of, of writing the show. Interesting. So eventually, maybe Favreau will tell us where it came from. But I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah. But kind of as we wrap up here. As far as episodes of this show, like, I'm not going to ask you to rank the shows, but like, you know, is it high up on your list or at the bottom or just somewhere in the middle? Or how did this, how did this show go over for you as a whole? Because for me, it, it's really high. It's not my favorite episode, but it gave us an awful lot. It gave us as much to chew on as I think any episode of this show. Yeah. For me, I, I, talked about it on Scarif, I think each episode in this season is, uh, you know, was getting better and better. I, I think I would have to tie this uh, at the top with the siege uh, as we uh, see the introduction of Bo-Katan. Uh, both of these episodes are really fantastic. I, it would be really hard to kind of put one, uh, you know, below the other. Um, but one thing that really surprised me is out of all the lightsaber battles in all of Star Wars, including the films and uh, the animated shows, et cetera, et cetera, I think 
the battle uh, with uh, Morgan and Ahsoka really kind of skipped to the top for me. I, I think it was an amazing show of, of Ahsoka's powers. And again, the choreography was amazing. Um, for me, that 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 skyrocketed uh, up a couple notches as far as my favorite uh, lightsaber battles to begin with. So I'm very impressed with this show yeah. and this episode. Man, uh, those lights come, those lightsabers coming on and off and on. That was something. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that was the the lightsaber stuff in this episode was as good as any lightsaber live action lightsaber stuff we've gotten. And since you know, the prequels anyway. We saw it's a lot like the lightsaber battles that we saw in Clone Wars. Yeah, you know, a lot of really showy, you know, like clever things. You could definitely tell the influence there, and I'm pretty sure we had even seen the on and off trick in animation before, but it was really cool live action. Yeah. Uh, David, what did you, just your overall impression of this episode and kind of where it sits for you in the, the overall story. I liked it. I'm probably not going to like it as much as everybody that knows all the lore, you know, from all the animated series. It's not one of my favorite, but it's probably in the top half. I mean, like, yeah. it's honestly probably my fourth favorite this season, to be honest with you. But, I mean, that's not a bad thing. It's been a great season. So far for me, it's like, what's your favorite episode of Firefly? It's like, I mean, they're just all so great. Like, the one where Jane has the hat. The, the hat's <laughs> pretty great. It's like, yeah, you know, if you think about it for long enough, it's like, okay, well, there's that one, you know, with, with the pretty floral bonnet. You know, I'm pretty I'm pretty fond of that. But, you know, it's kind of hard for me to, like, pick one. It's like, because they all are such a good story in of themselves and also fit the narrative so well. And that, for me, is just always the consistently impressive thing about this show is that the episodes have consistently been their own good thing by themselves and also you know because every once in a while you'll get a show and it's like there's the occasional like really standout episode but it's kind of disjointed altogether but this one had manages to pull both off much better than um i expected really yeah. well it's it's kind of the trade-off of having you know i still miss the days of tv of TV seasons being, you know, 20 to 24 episodes, but you know, it's the, you don't get in an eight episode season. It, it's, you don't have, you're not going to have the episodes that are just, just fall flat because they, you know, you do obviously have those shows, but I mean, as far as this show, you haven't had, there are no bad episodes of this show. Right. Um, and that's kind of one of the advantages. It's why Firefly is one of the, you know, will go down as one of the greatest sci-fi series ever made because there's not that many episodes and it, it, it literally died while it was at its best. Right. Yeah. And so it never had a chance to mess itself up. Yeah. They never got a chance to let us down. Yeah. But uh, last question before we wrap up, that's that spear that, the magistrate is fighting with what is going to is, I mean, I, I think that there's not really any way that that's not something of significance. Um, I don't know what, do y'all have any thoughts on the spear? Somebody compared that spear to the spear, uh, that, uh, Captain Phasma was using in the sequel trilogy. I don't know if there's any similarities or what, uh, significance hmm. that would have. Why would she have it? you know, many years later. So interesting to, to find out. David, any thoughts on the spear? Not really, but then I just started thinking about Boba Fett's armor. And is he just, does he have like a trunk, you know, in the razor crest where he's keeping all this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't see why not. Do we see the guards like on Mandalore? What kind of weapons do they carry? Do they carry spears? I don't remember. It seems like the sort of thing that like a, an imperial or a no, I guess not imperial because, um, but like the royal guard would carry, yeah. you know, in in a lot of traditional kind of societies. So now I'm going to have to go back and see if it's something along the lines of what the Mandalorian guards are carrying back in Clone Wars. Yeah. 
All right. Will anybody have any final thoughts before we wrap up? I just can't wait for the next uh, next couple of uh, episodes up until the the last one because uh, you know sky's the limit on the storytelling. I can't uh, can't wait to see what we're where we go. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode of Course Not Radio Underground. Until next time, Marisha, where can people find you online? You can find me on my website, princessesandpadawans.com. I am princesses underscore and underscore padawans on Instagram and ppadawans on Twitter occasionally. All right, David? Uh, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at j underscore David Poole. All right, and Ro, tell everybody where they can find you and find your podcast. Sure. On Twitter and all podcatchers, we are Scarif Podcast. We can also be found with all of our Red 5 Network family members uh, at red5network.com. You should give us a follow. All right. And I'm Andrew Gore. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at crew underscore podcast. That's C-R-U underscore podcast. You can find us at the sciencefictionary.com. You can drop us a line at the, uh, you can drop us a line at Coruscant Radio Underground at gmail.com. And as, as always, as Roe mentioned, check out our podcast as well as the rest of the Red 5 podcast family at red5network.com or at red5network on Twitter. And until next time, may the force be with you. <laughs>